The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We did understand and we did know that this was going to be a tough opponent regardless. And so these guys aren't going to care what we did last week. Um, you know, I don't think any other team is going to care what what team they have next did prior. Um, you know, guys are going to come out and guys are going to play. And this is the league and this is how it works. And uh, it's very good because I would say it's, it's also very humbling for, for a lot of people um, to be able to, to have the highest high. And then you, you lose in, in, a, in a manner like this. And, uh, yeah, it's very humbling. And it's, and it's, you know, for some, it's much needed. To talk about low after yesterday's loss. So much for my theory about quarterbacks showing up in his pads after, <laughs> after a loss being a, a good sign. I don't know that there was any good sign yesterday for the Dolphins. It started off like a track meet. And it was touchdown, 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 touchdowns like tennis match. And eventually the Bills broke serve and all it took was one. And that was it. Um, It didn't surprise me. Look, I hedged my bets. I thought the Bills would win. The Dolphins would cover. It was stupid. I mean, it it was time for the Dolphins to walk into a hostile environment, riding off of that, that huge tidal wave. And... It made the Bills extra ready. The Bills yeah, were extra prepared. Right. You heard the way Sean McDermott was talking about that offense. He coached them up the right way. They were ready. It was a chance for them to reassert themselves. Now they'll have to go back and play Miami again later in the year, and maybe Miami evens it out then. But it really doesn't surprise me it played out that way because the Bills had shown us since that week one debacle against the Jets they had refound their footing. And I'm getting so many hostile emails from Bills fans saying, oh, how's that Jenga tower doing? It's like, well, you know, the thing about a Jenga tower is sometimes it falls and sometimes it doesn't, right? But early in the season, they were doing this. It's stabilized. Kudos. My point is it felt like the whole thing was going to fall. After, and after losing to Zach Wilson and the Jets following the injury to Aaron Rodgers, how could anyone dispute 
that the Jenga tower was wobbly. Yeah. And they held it together. You thought it was going to fall week two against the Raiders. I did. They held it together. And they've looked very good, especially on defense. But total team effort, exactly what they needed. It can't just be Josh Allen. And last three weeks, it hasn't been just Josh Allen. No, no. And this is why the Bills suddenly look like the team that everyone has been hoping they would be, especially Bills fans, for the past four years. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I thought maybe the window had closed on the Buffalo Bills the way last season ended. You know, who was going to be the other people that jump out on the offensive side of the ball? All those questions. I started to wonder, yeah, can they, can they make this happen one more time? Obviously, proving both of us wrong here. And, like, no doubt now through four weeks that they're one of the four or five best teams in football. But, like, to, to how you started it, the, the, that is the, the big thing. One, nothing's more motivating to an NFL football player than fear, right? And they saw that game last week, and their defense was like, oh, shit, we better be on it this week, or they're going to be running all around our football field, and it's going to be Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Mozart in a track meet, and we're going to get embarrassed in front of our home crowd. And then, of course, the other side of the ball with Josh Allen and company, they're doing the same thing, going, damn. You know, we got to keep pace. We got to be on the game, our game this week. You know, the Dolphins might score 50. We might have to score 51. So that in itself, you know, showed up on yesterday, on Sunday. They were on it. They had answers for everything that the Dolphins were doing. And I think you got to start out with McDermott and the defensive game plan. I mean, one, McDermott is a defensive genius. He is, as you've heard me say a lot, a master at coaching zone coverages. They're awesome at passing guys off, playing certain areas as far as the breakdowns, then doing what we just saw in the last two clips there, getting hands up. If you're going to play the Miami Dolphins with these quick throws and everything, you need guys to stick their hands up to take away the wide receiver screen or the little quick pass over the middle. It looked like they took, took really filled the middle of the field, the defenders a lot. The defensive line was awesome. Rousseau was everywhere, whether it was batted balls or sacking the quarterback. And they got two middle linebackers in the middle that got three rockets up their ass. All right. Milano and Terrell Bernard are kamikaze 49er-ish like linebackers that just fly around the field. So the defensive effort and creating a few turnovers, getting a fourth and one stop at midfield, all of that was absolutely phenomenal. And we know how good this Dolphins offense is real. They're talented. They're well coached. And to do that on this, this, you know, on Sunday was damn impressive by them. So I give them a lot of credit for sure. Miami was three out of 10 on third down, 0 for three on fourth down, two turnovers, nine quarterback hits, four sacks, and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, not nearly the kind of performance we'd seen the week before or all year long, just 282 passing yards. And Tyree Kill, three catches, 58 yards, a far cry from what we've seen from him in the past as well. That's what the Bills' defense needed to do. And you combine that with a pretty damn good offense where you've got Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things, five total touchdowns, 320 passing yards. Stephon Diggs, 120 yards, three touchdowns for him. Still getting support in the running game from James Cook. Gabe Davis stepping up. Look at this one. Uh, it's it a, just, I, I know. Like, you, if you're the receivers, hey, <laughs> the stone cold. If you're the receiver, you got to be ready for that ball anytime, any place, anywhere, don't you? Yeah, you do. It, he, he's you know running around. He's jumping. 
you know, that first touchdown like you're talking about, he throws a sidearm as he's running up the middle of the field and decides, oh, wait, he's open. Let me just jump and throw this, throws a missile. And that's where him and Diggs are special in that connection. And then this long one here at 21-14, the Bills were on a mission yesterday. The Bills wanted to remind the public going, hey, we're the team that won the damn AFC East the last two years. We're not ready just to, you know, get off the throne here and let Miami have this. They were highly motivated. And Allen, I think, on top of that, the same thing. He's going, hey, hey, I've been the man in this division, you know, the last two years. He's not ready to give this up to Tua and company yet. He's not, let alone, he's, Josh Allen's been disrespected ever since that first game of the year and the interceptions against the Jets. I mean, people talking crazy like, oh, he fell off and he's not a lead anymore. Are you watching the same game? I mean, he's arguably the most physically gifted quarterback in the history of football. I mean, that's, it's, it's not even debatable. It's, it's, that's how awesome Josh Sometimes Allen is. Sometimes he tries to do too much. I know. That's Sometimes the only problem. And right, he's gotten back right here. He got week one was not right. Week two, three, and four has been phenomenal. And, Mike, to your point, they got some other avenues going here finally. Gabe Davis is showing up on a consistent basis. They are running the ball a little bit. And then, you know, the two tight ends and Knox and Dalton Kincaid, they pop up a little bit. You know, Cook makes a play in the passing game. So they got something working in Buffalo right now. Very impressive. Really was. Big time win. Big time reminder that, you know, they're the real deal. And like, you know, like we're talking about, the Jenga Tower ain't falling over yet. It's damn sturdy for right now. Eight different players had catches yesterday from Josh Allen. And Gabe Davis had three for 61 and a touchdown. Devin Achan. It's Achan now. It was a chain. It's a chain now. Right. He he's special. Oh, we we kind of lost sight of him yesterday because the Bills overpowered Miami. But he had eight rushes for 101 yards. Eight. Kind of good. For 101. <laughs> they got forced away from the running game as things got out of hand. But holy crap! So you know the Dolphins aren't done yet. I, I want to focus on one thing. Yeah. Because this has been bothering me. Okay. Since yesterday, and I saw it again twice. Can we play the pack of the Stephon Diggs touchdowns, please? Because the second one in particular. Yeah. The it, one up the left sideline, the little it, stop route, right? Right. After the catch, like, what the hell is this effort to tackle or not tackle? Like, is this a result of they don't practice tackling anymore? Like, what is that? What the hell yeah. is that? Right. It what was, is that? Yeah, it's a little. And I don't want to blame you. the player, right? Like, like, is this the result of? And and I don't, I don't want us to go viral. We don't need another clip on Twitter. All I'm saying is, when you don't practice tackling to the ground, when when you skew, and I want the game to be safer for everyone, but. You have to have the ability to go out on Sundays. That's the problem. You have to have guys ready to go out on Sundays and play tackle football. And it can't be two-hand touch six days of the week and then tackle on Sunday. Some guys, like most of the players on the 49ers, can roll out of bed and go play tackle football on Sunday even though they never practice it that way. Some guys can't. And that's what I thought of when I saw that. It's like, is this two-hand touch? Is this flag football? Is he trying to grab his flags? Like, why isn't he tackling him? And, yeah. and again, I'm not blaming it on the player. I'm blaming it on the fact that in today's NFL. It's a different league. The way that they have taken contact out of practice 
for health and safety purposes. And all I'm saying, there's a balance there. And every team's got to strike it. And the league's got to strike it. But this is why the 49ers are so damn good. They go out and find the guys who don't need to practice it. They find the guys where it's baked into them. And if anything, they have to coach it out of them on practice days. Right. So they don't go kill each other on practice days. But this is what you're going to see in today's NFL. Some of these moments where it's like, wait a minute. Why isn't he, why isn't he tackling the guy? Yeah. And I really do think that this may be part of the fact that they don't practice it like they used to, Chris. I, I, I think that's real, Mike. I do. I think, you know, one, we're seeing a Dolphins defense still getting used to Vic Fangio and his defensive scheme. Two, I think to your very real point, they're not a defense right now that you certainly can put them in the conversation of a bunch of crazy effers, right, that fly around the field like the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Ravens, right, teams that, like you said, it's just like they don't, it doesn't even seem like they got to coach those guys to do some of that stuff. The Eagles, that they just come out and they hit you in the mouth no matter what. And you're right, you almost got to pull them back and go, hey, let's not kill people and get penalties out all over the place here. So there's that aspect of the Dolphins football team that's certainly something you'd like to see improve. And, you know, that's also part of the reason I think they're, what are they right now, the 25th-ranked defense in football. The other aspect, too, Mike, is, you know, I think turnovers have become such a big part of the football game that holding guys up and waiting for the rest of the troops to get there to knock the ball out is a thing. It, it is a thing in the NFL. Turnovers are such a big stat in dictating who wins or loses the football game. I think there's a little bit of that there, too, where, you know, Kahu, Kahu I, I, I think I just butchered his name, he's trying to hold them up, hoping that Jones will come by and maybe knock the ball out. But, yeah, the, the I risk. I didn't think he was doing that. I don't know. Maybe he's not. I don't think he not. knew what to do. Either way. I feel way, like he didn't know what the hell to do. It wasn't physical and aggressive enough is what you're saying. And that, that's, that's the bottom line. It wasn't enough there. But, I was yeah, I was trying to go, maybe that's what they were thinking there. I don't know. But it wasn't good enough. You're right. And that's where Miami, their defensive side of the ball, they're missing their best pass rusher in Jalen Phillips yesterday. But there, there's definitely some, some meat on the bone there in that department. You know, I look at them and go, defense – Certainly not what you want it to be quite yet. And it's going to be hard because when your offense is that awesome, the other opposing offense, it's like the Mahomes effect, right? We've talked about this. They're going to, go, they're going to un, un, just empty the, the, the sink every week because they've got to keep pace with the Dolphins. And then the other thing we saw in the game, and you brought up already, if you can get the Dolphins to third down, they're a different football team. When it's first and second and they still have the threat of the run and the speed sweeps and and all the crazy stuff they do, they're hard to defend. But when you get them in third down and it's third and seven and now play action doesn't really have the same merit and all that, that's where we're seeing the one flaw in their offense. The Patriots got them in those situations a bunch of times and the Bills did a good job yesterday putting them in those spots and we'll see if the Dolphins can improve in those two areas. And look, the Dolphins will be fine. The Bills are definitely fine. They will meet again. The only question is, will they meet for a third time in the postseason like they did last year? And that will be something, and I think it will be largely driven by who hosts that game. So the Bills pick up the edge in that department, giving the the Dolphins their first loss. They're both 3-1, and and for now, the Bills hold the head-to-head tiebreaker, but the Dolphins will get their chance later in the year. And also, to the extent that this is extremely relevant to who would host the rematch, if there is one, yeah. or the third round, 
the Bills have that loss in the division. So the Dolphins still have that chance. You go one and one, you take care of business in the division. The Bills have already lost to the Jets. The Dolphins would hold the edge that way. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to recap some overtime games, including a crazy walk-off win in Indianapolis. We'll do that next on this Monday edition of BFT Live. Stafford ready calls for the snap. Here comes the rush. He throws right side alone. It's Puka at the five to the end zone. A walk-off winner. Nakua Matata. It means no worries. What a finish yesterday. The Rams blow the huge lead to the Colts. Game goes to overtime. Matthew Stafford's hobbling around as part John Wayne, part Fred Sanford. And then they drive down the field, get the winning touchdown. Puka Nakua, incredible. He's got the record through four games of a rookie's NFL career. 39 catches, more than anyone else. 501 yards, more than anyone else. And there have been some great rookie receivers over the years in the NFL. And Puka has bested them all. Only Justin Jefferson has more receiving yards than Puka Nakua in the entire NFL this season and uh really something it's incredible uh, and and, yeah. and St- stafford stafford yes and he's look he looked great week one when he was healthy this is the challenge going forward how is he going to be able to hold it together as he's clearly impaired he's already said he's going to play next week with a hip injury but this is what happens with him they add up they compile he gets a little slower gets a little more rickety can he hold it together how long can he do it and uh, you know that that he, I, I'm surprised he finished the game yesterday. Look at that. That's oh. like Byron Leftwich in yes. 2002 at Marshall, no, carrying him down no the doubt. field with a broken leg. No doubt. Uh, I mean, listen, he he's in a more car crashes right now as a quarterback than anybody in the sport. It's constant. Uh, I mean, he's playing phenomenal football right now. He really is. I mean, it, it, for anybody to doubt Matthew Stafford. He's got a bunch of no names and nobody can tell you who they are on the offensive line. Run game was okay. It was there yesterday. And then to do it with this group of receivers and Puka Nakua is really good. They, it looks like they have found Cooper Cup 2.0 here to a degree. Big, great route runner, right? Extremely smart. That's what they're doing, right? He's the only guy they got. So it's, it's like the, the year of Cooper Cup before they traded for Odell and all that. Where every play, he's the he's the first read. Every play is design the play where Puka is the first guy he can throw to. He's smart. He understands coverages, all of that. Then let alone he's got some size and physicality about him, and he can run a little bit. He's not going to run by you for 80-yard touchdowns or do any of that. But to work the middle of the field on what he's doing, damn, it's impressive. I just You've heard me say for three weeks in a row now, I'm just the Rams – people always go culture culture well this is what culture is they're not that good but they're still battle tested tough McVay's coming up with great game plans and they're finding ways to stay in every game if not win those games and you know they've been the lesser team on the field in some of these too and it's, it's really a credit to them and their toughness and Stafford just phenomenal yesterday I got Puka on the phone after the game, and I'd never spoken to him before. It's an amazing story, though. Fifth-round pick out of BYU. 
And there were so many different things I wanted to talk to him about. And I got as much out of the conversation as I could to the point where somebody was yelling in the background, Florio, he's got to go. <laughs> but uh, um, He took blame for the injury. He said he was lined up too wide. And somebody shot the gap and got to Stafford and hit him. And it was his fault. I mean, you kind of, I mean, he volunteered that. I said, you know, how, how, how does Matthew keep going? He said, you know, it's my fault on that hit. I, I, he could have just glossed over that. But I asked him how Stafford got to the point where he could trust him. And he said that he, 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 in the summer before training camp, he got a phone call from the strength coach. Uh, hey, Matthew would like you to come out and catch some passes. It's like, okay, I'll be there. And that's how it starts. You, you, you get comfortable. You allow the quarterback to get comfortable with you. And Puka has become the Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup could be coming back. So there could be two Cooper Cups. You could have Cooper and Puka. And both of them with that comfort level with Matthew Stafford, they'll only get better as long as Stafford is able to walk. The other thing, too, I asked Puka, and I'm always fascinated by this, and usually I don't get a good answer because a lot of guys aren't aware of it. When did you know? Like, you're a fifth-round pick, and you got to be coming in thinking, do I really belong here? When did you know you belong? And he said he was having a rough training camp practice. And Cooper Cup came to him and he said, you know you can do this. We know you can do this. You just have to do it. And he said to hear that from a guy who was a Super Bowl MVP, it made me believe. And that was the thing that made me decide I can do it. And it's inspiring to hear that because, you know, th- there's a fine line. A lot of guys have the talent. It's about bringing it out and drawing it out. And the right moment, the right thing said, the right bit of motivation, the right belief, yep. the flicker that becomes the flame. And here we are. The guy's incredible. And as long as Stafford is physically able to play, when Cup comes back, if he stays healthy, because he's had that hamstring, two different injuries or aggravations, they're not really sure is it a nerve issue, they don't know. But if you get him healthy, with Puka doing what he's doing, if Stafford can play, the Rams need to be taken seriously. Definitely. And it, it makes their losses confounding, especially the one last Monday night. When they were able to pull this one off on Sunday, it makes me wonder what the hell happened on Monday night. But they look pretty damn good against a Colts team that was having us wonder whether they were going to be contenders, and they still could be. This is one of those – there's just a lot of teams where – they're going to give us something good one week, something bad the next, and we think they're down, and then they're up, they're up, and then they're down. And it's fun to watch. It pisses you off when you have to pick games, but it sure is fun to watch it play out. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a group of teams in football that are still finding their way, right? You know, it, it's you know, maybe not super talented. It's about matchups, whatever else. But Rams, yeah, hung in there against the 49ers. That was one loss, you know. Found a desperate team in Cincinnati in a Monday night football game and almost pulled that out too, right? But <clears throat> you're right. They're going to be dangerous if Cooper Cup can get back and get healthy there. It's another weapon for them to play with. We've talked about Raheem Morris on the defensive side of the ball, what he's doing there with a bunch of young football players. You know, they're, they're showing their grit and toughness there with the Rams. And, you know, on top of that, hey, the Colts, the way they battled back, again, you see Anthony Richardson, and what he's capable of doing, his ability to run, helps the rest of their running offense. 
because you do have to defend that. You're scared about that. And then even though it's not efficient in the passing game, throws like that are insane. I mean, that's insane. And the league, turnovers, explosive plays, that's what it's all about, determining games. And, okay, they can they can make some explosive plays because of this quarterback. So, yeah, it was 11 for 25. But of those 11 completions, you know, they were big-time plays that changed field position or got them down in the red zone or whatever else there. So when he does throw it, it's usually something meaningful. And as you see in these highlights there, and like we've talked about a lot, Mike, I mean, look at that throw. I know the guy's arm special. It just it just pops out of his hands effortlessly. Uh, he he's got a lot of good things to be, you know, feeling good about for sure. They got something there in Indianapolis, and they're just kind of working through a, a young quarterback and finding their way here. I think for the first time in your life, the word effortlessly came out of your mouth. Effortlessly. <laughs> Thank well you. Done. Might have been the first time. And you know what? If I don't want to take anything away from the Rams' victory, but if the Colts had won that game after coming back from that enormous deficit, Anthony Richardson might have been the first thing we talked about when the show started. Yeah, maybe. If if the Colts if the Colts had won that game in overtime, because that was incredible. They were done. It was over, and it was just here they come, here they come, here they come, and. And the challenge for the Colts will be to take that positivity, what happened in the in the regulation period, forget about overtime, what they were able to do and use that to elevate Anthony Richardson. Because even though C.J. Stroud has become the talk of the league and he's got the numbers and he's doing some historic things, Richardson is the one who's still got the superstar potential. And we're just we're just merely scratching the surface with Richardson. Yeah, he's the guy that could make us go, oh my gosh, what? Are you kidding me? What a run, incredible throw. C.J. Stroud, it seemed it's going to be more like, you know, Brady, Burrow, work the pocket, great decisions, dime after dime after dime after dime on the money type of throw. It's not going to be Mahomes, Josh Allen, Anthony Richardson. I'm doing a spin move. I'm breaking the pocket. I'm throwing a 50-yard laser across the field, right? That's not what he is. Anthony Richardson's more of that guy. So agreed with you there, definitely. Uh, but the Colts, hey, they're no joke. I mean, to go on the road, beat the Ravens this week, you go, man, rookie quarterback down 20 nothing. They're in deep crap to hang in there like that and him make some of the plays he did. Their defense buckled down. Uh, the Colts are going to be in this throughout the year. I don't know if that means playoffs, but they're going to be a pain in the butt in that conversation, I think, throughout. Playoffs. 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 It was the Colts coach who it was. The time said playoffs. The great Jim Moore. All right, Eagles undoubtedly heading for the playoffs as they fatten up their early season record, even though they have not looked spectacular all that often. They did not look spectacular Yesterday, thanks for nothing, Eagles. Chris and I both had the Eagles given eight as our best bets, one of our best bets. I think I think one of us was 0-3. Damn, was that me? Although we don't talk about it until Damn. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you like Thursday. to talk about it when I don't do well. I know it always comes up on a Monday where I don't do we, well. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. We both didn't do well oh, yesterday. And then so Mahomes was running. Team. I thought Mahomes was going to run in the end zone there at the end of the game, and I'm going, they're going to cover. That's it. There it is right there. And he smartly slid. Uh, but probably pissed off me and, and a few other people in Vegas I, because of that. I might have. I might have. I, I may be misremembering again. I blame it all on the COVID. I'm going to milk that for as long as I can. I might have picked 30-20 as the final score, too. So I have extra reason to be pissed that Mahomes had the presence of mind to do the move that was first 
kind of not invented, but pioneered by Brian Westbrook when he famously took a knee at the one. And it was smart. It was smart. Even though there's no way the Jets are going to score twice in a minute and a half or minute 50, whatever it was, right. you, you ensure they're not going to score once if they have no timeouts and you're under two minutes. Anybody's played Madden knows that's enough to get you to. Once you get to the two-minute warning, if the other team has no timeouts, you get a first down, game's over, three knees, and it's out. And Mahomes was, was smart to do what he did, even though it pissed us. And surely, wasn't the handle like, like – when we did the podcast, it was like 85% on the Chiefs. I'm sure I'll, I, I'm sure the sports books love that. I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be some gift baskets showing up with a with a Las Vegas zip code at the new Mahomes house. He's going to have some nice housewarming gifts. I'm kidding saying all of that because it would be highly inappropriate. But he's going to have some nice housewarming gifts show up in that brand new house of his for saving the sports books asses last night. All right. Uh, Eagles and Commanders, we were talking about that. The Eagles pull it off uh, in overtime. Jake Elliott with a 54-yarder. Eagles are 4-0 consecutive seasons for the first time since the early 90s. It hasn't been pretty, but it's effective, and they're winning. Chris, you've been saying this all along. They have such an easy schedule. They're fattening up on these wins, and, yeah, they're going to encounter some adversity at some point, but at least they're not losing some of these games that they could be, should be losing because they really aren't firing on all cylinders yet. No, definitely not. You know, but it's it's kind of you know a trademark of a really good football team. We're not playing our best football, but we're still winning the games, right? And we see moments of going, damn, right? I mean, we saw moments last week when they played the Bucks on Monday night where you went the defense, holy crap, right? And then we we talked about on Tuesday morning like. They run the same play on offense 10 times in a row, the same running play, and go right down the field. They didn't have that luxury yesterday. Washington had a good game plan. You know, we, we talk about it. That, those four D linemen, there's four first-rounders. They got a first-round you know, linebacker behind them. They got a first-round corner and some other talented guys in that secondary. You know, they're a team that's got some talent for sure. And they played a game plan with Jack Del Rio. Of, it looked like whenever you saw a replay or a, or a end zone cut of the defense where they were, they were trying to call the Eagles bluff early on. You're not going to run the ball and we're not going to let you do little quick play action passes. Oh, eight, 10 yards over the middle and, and die that way. And the Eagles, it took them a little while to figure it out. But once they figured out like, wait, they're going to play us like this and they're going to leave AJ Brown and Devonte Smith on an Island outside. We got to start attacking. And that's what they did. And it was the right thing to do. And, of course, it put the pressure right back on Washington. You know, you leave A.J. Brown that many times one-on-one, you're in trouble. And there they are one-on-one. They take a little screen play. Boom, there he is going up the sidelines. Good luck tackling this guy. He's built like a running back. And he can run really fast as well. Same thing here. Another double move. It's man-to-man on the outside. Boom. That, to me, is where the game changed, Mike. They realized they had to start playing this way. Look at that cut right there, guys. Rewind that if you can just a little bit uh, in the back room. But that was a lot of what I saw in the day. You see all the people in the middle of the field, right? They're taken away. Worried about the run game, the middle of the field throws. Good answers, and Jalen Hurts a great deep ball thrower, giving his guys chance and made a lot of big plays uh, in the passing game yesterday. And look, one of the problems, I think, for the Eagles last year yeah, 
They had it too easy. Too easy. I hear you. Especially in the postseason. Late in the year, all of and, it, right? Yeah. And there's there's something to be said about having to survive tough games, close games, pull a victory from the jaws of defeat to prepare you for those big moments when season's on the line in the Super Bowl, when they kind of lost their swagger a little bit. There were a couple of spots where they had fourth downs that maybe they should have gone for it, but yeah, we're getting a little tight here. We're not used to this. So I think that this is actually good for the Eagles to be in closer games, tighter games, tougher games, because they need to be ready if they get to the Super Bowl or when they play the Cowboys, when they see the 49ers and presumably don't get lucky and have Hassan Reddick blow up the quarterback's elbow and make what would have been a tough, hard-fought game a, a laugher eventually. This is going to help them because whoever comes out of the AFC is going to be ready. And whoever comes out of the NFC had better be ready too. And I think it's good for the whoever the eventual NFC champion is. It's going to be good to have, you know, fought through. You don't want to be team of destiny. You don't want to be wire to wire. You don't want to be everything comes easy. That's the danger for the 49ers. It's a little too easy for them this year. And you want to get tested. You want to, and so this is that's if there is a silver lining in the fact that the Eagles aren't as dominant as they were last year, maybe they're going to be better equipped when they find themselves in a big game, tough game with the season riding on. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, superlatives time for week four of the 2023 season. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle. And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I want to say, man, man, I've been thinking about this for a long time. We, Y'all deserve to feel special. Y'all deserve to root the Texas on. Like, um, not winning since 2021. I think it was around Christmas. Like, like 
like that ain't flying from like anybody in this building. And I want them to know like we're flying our tails off every day to make sure y'all walk around with Texan gear pride. CJ Stroud, two wins in a row for the Texans, and they beat the hell out of the Pittsburgh Steelers 30 to 6. Nobody saw that coming. First home game won by the Texans since December of 2021. It was the day they put J.J. Watt in the ring of honor, and they put his brother T.J. Watt's team in a ringer, uh, 30-6. to six. Superlatives time. Chris, that's where we start. Go. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, that's where I'm starting, right there. The seasoned veteran rookie? I mean, damn. Houston Texans, just from the get-go this year, were like, okay, wait. Uh, you're a rookie, and you're going to have to carry the team from week one on here. And I, you know, I know he's not carrying the football team. They're playing really damn good. But the way they're running the offense, the trust that they have him, every week I've, you know, I watch film of the Houston Texans right now. People want to hear about the rookie quarterbacks. And I go, you could tell they got great confidence in him. The offense continues to expand. You know, They put more and more on his plate. And look at him in the pocket. First off, I mean, he knows how to find the soft spot in the pocket. He's got every club in the bag when it comes to throwing the football. He's got one of the quickest releases in football. He never does do anything except throw spirals. And, you know, you know, up yours to the cognitive test, right? The guy is an amazing competitor. I know that from people at Ohio State where they say he's a perfectionist in a lot of ways. But it's been phenomenal by him. And then yesterday, too. Like, you know, we just talked about with Anthony Richardson, Mike, right? Big plays, big plays. 16 completions for 306 yards. That tells you a lot, too. They're not worried about, oh, let's dink and dunk and make his numbers look good so it makes it look like we got a good draft pick. They're going out going, damn, go win the game. Throw another howitzer over there. Throw another laser over there. Another touch pass there. Like, I'm, I'm amazed. With what we're seeing from C.J. Stroud, it is blowing me away the way he's playing the position this early on in his career. It really is incredible, and it didn't result in victory until week three, but now they're at two and two, and they're a team that needs to be taken very seriously. He has looked phenomenal, and I think he's right on the brink of more and more people noticing it. And and beating the Steelers the way they did yesterday will hopefully get more attention. Right. For the Texans, they're not a team we're going to see in prime time unless maybe they find their way into a flex situation. And the way he's playing, maybe they will. All right, first one for me. I still don't like a Kirk Cousins. <laughs> the, even though they won the game, even though they won, the, the sequence at the beginning, they drive right down the field. There's a touchdown to Justin Jefferson. Oh, wait, but there's a flag holding or something, whatever the hell it was. And then... Pick six, 99 yards, longest in franchise history for the Panthers, 14-point swing, and the Vikings were just in a rut that it felt like they were never going to get out of. And the point I made on Twitter yesterday, and it's amazing how many people want to push back, but then again, it isn't because it's Twitter. There's no way to draw a bright line from this play and the Kirk Cousins defiant I don't work on on uh, Tuesdays. <laughs> but, but, you can't say that if you wipe out one full day of potential preparation from film study, playbook study, all the shit 
that a quarterback does. And, oh, the NFL Players Association regulations point out that every player must have one day off. Starting quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, don't take days off. They work every single day. Yes, they do. They are obsessed every single day. They give their life. And not just football season. Tom Brady works every single day of his life when he was playing. If you're not spending that time to study the opponent, to study your own tendencies, look, something happened there that allowed that guy to see it, read it, jump it, and go. And that's on Kirk Cousins. And who knows what he might have seen, Chris, if he had been working on Tuesday. Because I assume he didn't, because he told us all, when it's a Sunday-to-Sunday schedule, he doesn't work at all on Tuesday. Goes to the bookstore, answers Fan mail, right, drives his kid to school, doesn't work at all, and is proud of it. I'm sorry, but I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm sorry. You're making $35 million a year, right? And, and I was out last week, frankly, after the debacle with I don't know to go up and spike the ball. Well, what, what, have you never played football before? So if, there's never going to be a bright line. There's never going to be a smoking gun. But if you get it, what's the kid say? Yeah. I-F-Y-I-Y-K-Y-K. Is that what it is? That's what it is. I-Y-K-Y-K. If you know, you know. Yeah, okay. If you get it, you understand. If you just completely wipe out a day of your potential preparation for your next opponent, it's going to manifest itself somehow. There's something you might have found. That's the game. That's the, the challenge. You're rooting through the haystack looking for the needle. If you're not looking through the haystack, you're not going to find the needle. So maybe he would have seen something that would have caused him not to throw that pass. I don't know. And he doesn't know because he didn't look. I, uh, Does that yeah. make sense? No. It, I, listen, I, I, it's all fair. Trust me. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that you know, in football that aren't going to say it that are still shocked that, yeah, Kirk Cousins making no, $35 million Chris, a year. Yeah. Chris. Chris, they're not going to say it because they like it. Yeah, well, sure. Because they may have Kirk Cousins on the schedule. Sure, sure. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, they they were on the ropes yesterday. Yeah, that's unexcusable down there, you know, close to the end zone like that to be that late to the out, you know, to the boundary to the sideline there. It's kind of a no-no at quarterback, especially when you don't have a big-time arm like like he does. But damn, yeah. You know, hey, that was they were your team was on the ropes in a big way. And if it isn't for Harris, Harrison Smith, Getting Harrison a strip Smith sack saved fumble, him. saved DJ the day. Saved him. The game was never the same because Carolina was controlling the day. Um, all right, we'll save a segment tomorrow for you to continue shitting on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, and their quarterback. All right? All right. better now. Now. Here's the COVID. Yeah, yeah it's the COVID. Um, my superlative for my next one is WTF, okay? Like, what the bleep? Are you, are you kidding me? The Cincinnati Bengals, their offense, the way they looked in totality yesterday, I mean, we know that Titans offense is not special. I mean, they're kind of all over the place right now. But, damn, making plays in the pass game, they run the ball all over the Bengals. But the big thing is the Bengals offense. I mean, second game of the year with three points? Right? I mean, you got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow and Orlando Brown and Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams. I mean, it's inexcusable right now. It is. I mean, they can't protect Joe Burrow. They can't run. You know, because they can't protect him, they can't throw the ball down the field and attack that way. 
And then, of course, he's banged up, so he can't buy extra time on top of that. But it, it, there's just no excuses for the what their offense does, the lack of creativity, the things we've talked about. It's too basic. And they're failing their players there right now in, in, in Cincinnati. Things have got to change. They've got to spice it up and change their approach on that side of the ball. Um, three freaking points with those guys on the football field for the second time this year is unbelievable. And I'm more concerned than last year. This is worse than last year. Last year, it was five picks in week one, but they moved the ball up and down the field on the Steelers. Week two, it was a tough Cowboys defense. They started out 0-2. What? But you saw signs. This, I don't see any signs right now, and that's where I'm a little scared for the Bengals. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, another example of team that's down one week, losing 27-3 and looking like crap, wins 27-3 the next week. Team that looks good one week, looks like crap the next week. It drives us crazy because we're supposed to know what's going to happen. But as fans, it's fascinating to see it unfold because you never truly know week to week who's going to show up and what they're going to do. Let's take a break. When we return, finally, a Broncos team that knows how to score more points than the opponent showed up. Almost too late. More PFT Live right after this. You know, it's nice when you come home. And uh, and even after so many years, you know, you, you, to win here. Um, but hopefully that that's the first of many relative to where we're going. And, and we just have a lot of work to do still. Um, but we can enjoy this. These guys can enjoy it. And, uh, and then we get ready to go next week and we can dive into the, the whole jet fiasco stuff. You guys will be busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Sean Payton, he knows it's coming. It's he knows coming. week five. We've had week five circled for weeks now, thanks to Sean Payton's comments to Jared Bell of USA Today. But the Broncos finally get a win. We finally get a smile from Sean Payton. That's what they desperately needed. He talked about it all week. He had some great stuff, Chris. I don't know if you saw our post on PFT about his lessons from Bill Parcells because they asked him if he was tough on his players last week. And he said no because that's what Parcells would do. When they're down, you the don't love, make it You worse. love them up, right? When they're when they're up is when you kick their ass. When they've won three or four in a row, that's when you create a crisis so you can go chew someone out. So uh, Broncos players should be more concerned this week than last week because when they're down, he, he, he propped them up and it worked. Yeah. They got point, it, it looked like it wasn't going to. I didn't know what was worse, to give up 21 points in the first half to the Bears or 70 points in a whole game to the Dolphins. You could argue it was worse to give up 20 points in the first half to that Bears offense, but they turned it around. It was going to be disaster for the Broncos. Down 28-7, they came back and won. Disaster for the Bears, good day for Denver. Yeah, it, I mean, listen, that, that was a crazy game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, the game started off, and the Broncos went down the field like a well-oiled machine. They said, oh, man, they look good. Their offense looked good. And then their offense disappeared for the next two and a half quarters. Couldn't really do anything. And... There, all of a sudden, we were like, whoa, are Justin Fields and the Bears the new greatest show on turf here? Because, I mean, we were laughing, right, in the viewing room. I mean, of course, we know this is an offense that's struggled in the passing game and hasn't always hit on all cylinders in that capacity. And there, Justin Fields was 16 for 16 and tearing it up. 
throwing the ball as good as I've ever seen them throw it. They had people wide open all over the field, and you were going, oh my gosh, the Broncos are going to fall apart. It's 28 unanswered points into the third quarter, and you're just going, they're in trouble. I mean, Justin Fields is going to continue to dice them up. But they start to put a get. They put a, you know two good drives together. The defense makes a turnover, and you know they made some big plays at the end of the football game to pull it out. And good for them. It takes a little pressure off them. But yeah, we got questions about them. But good, Russell Wilson. That was a good game by him. Hopefully, he can silence some of the haters there, and maybe they can build on this in Denver. But that was scary for a while. And it all came down to yeah. Bears coach Matt Eberflus deciding to go for it on fourth and one instead of taking a 36-yard field goal with three minutes left. It was 28-28. They didn't get it. Broncos drive down the field like the next play. Boom. They put themselves in field goal range. Broncos kick the field goal. Broncos win the game. And it, it's become normalized to see coaches do this. We see them do it in their own end. We see them do it here. We see them do it there. Aggressive, Mike. We're being aggressive. It. Well, and it's not just aggressive. It's playing the percentage. But Coach Garrett was saying this yesterday, and it's a great point, and it's something that I've made in the past. The percentages are the result of thousands of iterations. You don't have the benefit of thousands of iterations when you're Matt Eberflus and you can't win a damn game. You got one, and that may be the one that seals it for him. I don't know when their buy is. It's coming up, obviously, if they haven't had it yet. It's necessarily coming up. But... At some point, you pull the plug on Eberflus. This isn't, well, okay, the percentages say if we go for it here, we're more likely to win, you know, just a little bit more than – no, 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 no. We need to win this game. Yeah, right. And we're in position to take the lead. We're in position to stop the bleeding. See, that doesn't show up in the formula. We've given up 21 straight points. All of a sudden, we can't buy a point. Here's a 36-yard field goal. We're going to take it. Just to stop this psychological death march that we're on. That's right. And force them, force them while trailing to drive the ball instead of, hey, you know, it's tied up. We're, you know, we, we, we got nothing to lose here. So I, it was the wrong call. They should have taken the field goal. And at some point, Eberflus is going to pay for it with his job. Yeah. It just feels like yeah. it's moving in that direction. Yeah. The only good news for the Bears, they're 0-4. The Panthers are 0-4. They're the only two winless teams, and the Bears hold the Panthers' first-round pick for 2024. Yeah, so as it stands right now, they have picks one players. and two right now. Right out of the stands games. of the draft. Yes. I know, right. Yeah, but you're right, Mike. I don't, you know, Listen, they're up 28-21. Nick Benito gets a strip sack. Cooper picks it up, runs for a touchdown. It's 28-all. The Bears drive down the field. And to me, the point you hit on, and I said it last night in Football Night in America, and when I was watching the game, I was saying it out loud. The f- put the pressure on Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. They got a ton of pressure on them right now. Go up three points, see if they can a- execute under that pressure, and tie the game maybe, and see where it goes from there. But th- that would have been my approach. Uh, now they had run the ball well, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, he's thinking, wait, we'll win the line of scrimmage one more time. But, yeah, I, I did not agree with that call. I'm with you all the way there. That's one. You get you take the three, you stop the momentum like you're saying, and you put the pressure back on the team who already had a ton of pressure on them going into the football game. By the way, by the way, Al Michaels, I got some bad news for you. Thursday, November 9, Panthers at the Bears on Amazon. Prime. Wow, I wonder what he'll call that game. 
What will be his nickname for that one? Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I tell you what, I'd be willing to put some money on the fact that he won't be there for that game. Let's go ahead and take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Well, it got a little ugly down in Dallas yesterday. One of the marquee games. They get together every four years. In theory, they can get together every two years. Ezekiel Elliott's back in Dallas. Going to be a great game. Going to be a barn burner. Uh, Mac Jones didn't get the memo. It was ugly. And this is exactly the formula for the Cowboys, right, Chris? They get on you early. Oh, the yeah. The defense goes wild. And the next thing you know, it's 38-3. to Rough, rough day for the Patriots and Mac Jones. Turnovers, pick six. Look at that one. Nasty, ugly, awful, miserable, worst loss ever for Bill Belichick. Sorry, Bill, you can't make it go away. Mac Jones, still the starter. Bill Belichick said that after the game. Bailey Zappi would be the other alternative. I don't know who else they have floating around there. Guys come and go all the time. Chris, said it before the season. I noticed it when Bob Kraft, owner of the team, talked about it in Arizona when he was asked, and I need to dust these quotes off so people will will maybe pay attention to it now. Will Bill Belichick essentially be allowed to stay until he beats Don Shula's all-time wins record? And it was not a yes that was given by the owner of the team. The answer to me made it clear things don't improve, there's going to be a change. And after yesterday, going to Dallas and losing to Jerry Jones, and there's real rivalry among some of these owners, and they act like they're all on the same team, and they are, it's, you know, they're all members of club oligarch, but that doesn't mean they don't have rivalries among themselves and likes and dislikes among themselves. I think it hurt a little extra to have Jerry Jones stick it to Robert Kraft the way that the Cowboys did. This, to me is very troubling. It's a warning sign. And it, 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 it just, there's still a long way to go. But, but, they finished last in that division. They don't turn this thing around. They don't make it to the playoffs. There's going to be a mutual parting, I believe, between the Patriots and Bill Belichick when this season's over. Yeah, I, listen, I, 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 it's on my radar. There's no doubt. I think there's a lot of people that think this could be the last year. Maybe next year would be the last year no matter what. I don't think he'll just hang in there just to beat Don Shula's record. Like if things don't go well and he feels like he's not coaching the team up to his capabilities or what he expects as a head coach, I do think he's the type that would just go, okay, it's, I've had my time and it's time for me to walk away. You know, the other thing, too, is, again, with how abrupt and crude he's been, you know, to the media uh, up there, especially in the New England area, but across the country, uh, yeah, I feel like people are ready to pounce on Bill Belichick. They're like, oh, we, we found a, you know, a little crack in the armor here a little bit whenever when he's treated us like crap, so now we're going to make sure we treat him like crap. He hasn't done himself any favors in that department. And then when the team looks like that, it makes it easy to pile on. I mean, come on. It's the Patriots. How many times have we in the last 20 years gone at halftime gun? The game's over. Like, it's over. They have no chance to win this game. It's 28-3, to and there's nothing positive to look at. 
and they can't run the ball. They're having Mac Jones having to throw the ball too much. They're not that talented a receiver to win that way. And Dak Prescott and company played really, really damn well on the offensive side of the ball yesterday. That was a butt-whooping in a big way. Definitely concerning for the Patriots. And, you know, you, you make a good point, and this is a basic human nature point. He has been very standoffish, dismissive, insulting, short with the media. And I know he does it for some sort of strange, militaristic, strategic reason. He doesn't want to give anything away. He's always got a reason for it. But but when you are that way, when you win, no big deal. When you don't win, that's when they all come back at you, and that's part of what's going to happen. And they better turn it around quickly, or I think it's going to be the last year for Bill Belichick in New England, barring something really surprising after the season. Quick break. And a very quick preview of Monday Night Football when we return right after this. All right, Monday Night Football, Seattle Seahawks taking on the New York Giants. The Giants get that extra day to prepare. They've done that a few times now. I think that'll happen. That happened last year several times. Thursday, and then you get all the way till Monday. I don't know that it matters. Saquon Barkley listed as doubtful for the game. Andrew Thomas is out. Seahawks getting Jamal Adams back for the first time in forever. Chris... Do the G-Men uh, stand a chance tonight? I think they stand a chance, you know. I mean, you think you're going to get a, a, a big-time last-ditch effort here by the Giants. They don't want to go to 1-3. and three, But I don't expect them to win this game. I don't. I think the Seahawks are a better football team. You know, I think their offense is going to move the ball a little bit on, on this group here. And, yeah, the Giants' offense is certainly not, you know, steamrolling people as of right yet. Monday Night Football, Seattle and New York, and week four will be over, and we had not one quarter pole reference other than the one that I just made. Oh, well. <laughs> See, See you tomorrow. Enjoy Get well, tonight. COVID boy. I blame the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.